It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. Back whenever I was growing up in CCD, one of the things that they used to teach us was that, this, that, that, that in biblical times, in order to fortify a city, they would build a giant wall around the city, and in order to get inside it, you had one entrance, and that was the gate. Now, during the day, the gate was open because they wanted to encourage trade and all this other stuff. <clears throat> but in the evening, they closed the gate so the bandits and the robbers and the marauders could stay out of it. Well, in order for a camel or in order for a person to get into the city, what they would do is instead of opening that just giant gate, what they did is they had kind of like a midget door cut out inside the gate. And allegedly, that little like kind of little door that you, that you would use to get inside the gate in the evening time or at nighttime was called the eye of the needle. And so whenever Jesus would say... It's easier for a camel to get into the for for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Many people have said that that's what it means. It means that, you know the camel's got to like you know scoot through this eye of the needle. Well, I'm here to tell you that is absolute bunk. None of that's true. All right, none of it. And here's why: if that were true, if that were, then the apostles wouldn't have been astonished. They wouldn't have said, "Then who can get into the kingdom of heaven?" You know what they would have said? Man, that sounds like it's really hard. So it sounds like we just really got to, like, you know, watch out for our riches. It sounds like we've got to kind of avoid it. No, but the apostles didn't say that. The apostles were wide-eyed. They were, they were, they were, were, their mouths were open. They were just amazed, and they could not believe it. They thought that to get into the kingdom of heaven, it was impossible. Because it is impossible for a camel to go through the physical eye of a needle. And in doing so, in pointing out this, this reality, what Jesus is doing is he's showing us the dangers of riches and what riches can do to our spiritual life. And really what he shows us ultimately are two things about riches. The first thing is that riches can be distracting. If we look at riches and we look at all this stuff that we have, we notice that what they can do is they can draw our focus from the, mater- from, from the spiritual to the material. Clearly, everybody would agree in this church that the spiritual life is far more superior to the material life. But whenever we have riches, abundance of riches, what do we end up doing? We end up focusing on them. We end up worrying about them. We end up taking care of them. I mean, think about it. Our number one priority is to attain salvation. Your salvation, my salvation, your neighbor's salvation, friends, family, everybody's salvation. But how often is our attention drawn to our material needs? How often are we worried about our life insurance policies, our investments, our friends on Facebook, our likes, our likes on Instagram? How often are we worried about the material things that, that are, exist in our lives which are fleeting and, and not really that important? A lot of problems come about whenever we have a lot of material things. It just is what it is. It can be very, very distracting. <laughs> The other thing, too, is we tend to solve our problems with material things. That's the other kind of distracting part about material things. I mean, how often do we, whenever we have problems, we turn to our iPhones 
Amazon.com, food, alcohol, drugs, these things, what we're doing is we're trying to take these things and use them and integrate them into our lives. And what ends up happening is we end up misusing them. We end up misusing them because what we do is we take these spiritual things, excuse me, we take these material things and use them to try and solve a, mater- a spiritual reality. It doesn't work. You can't talk nice to a car and expect it to be fixed. Just like you can't, a physician can't give you a pill and expect your soul to be healed. It doesn't work. The two realms do not coexist in that way. And so that's where the ultimate sin comes in whenever it comes to whenever we're talking about riches. Because what riches do is it, they distract us from the, from the medicine of the soul and really taking care of it. And we begin to fail to realize how unfulfilling are those things. How unfulfilling are those things by going, because what ends up happening is, kind of like what I said earlier, we end up just constantly focusing on these things, never addressing our spirit, never addressing our soul, never addressing our spiritual problems. And then what ends up happening? We end up, we end up discovering that, that we are spiritually ill while we have material excess. That's the first problem. The first problem with these riches that can be incredibly distracting. But even more dangerous than the distraction, even more dangerous than the, the pulling us our minds away from the spirit and onto the material, is the fact that, re- that riches make us believe, make us believe that we are self-sufficient. Make us believe that we can do it on our own, that we've got it covered, that it's in our control, that it's in our hands, and we don't need anybody else's help. And mankind has been looking for this since, since Adam. Adam was not content with being dependent upon the Lord. He was not content with being dependent upon God and his gifts. So what did he do? He went out and grabbed. And he grabbed and he grabbed and he grabbed. And because of that, he came crashing down. Adam wanted control. He wanted riches. He wanted possessions. Because he thought that if he had these things, he could be self-sufficient. He could be like a god and not need to rely on the Lord of Lords himself. The other thing that, that this, that this like breeds is kind of lie that... that, that that, that lies under this illusion of self-sufficiency is this idea that riches make happiness. Now, I think we all would verbally agree that money or stuff or anything doesn't actually make us happy. But whenever we get down to the nitty-gritty, the nitty-gritty like real-life things, real details of things, I think we'd be, just, we, we'd be shocked to discover how much we depend upon these things for happiness. I mean... Think about it. How often? I mean, what if we what if we actually lived without Netflix? What if we actually lived without Amazon.com? What if we actually lived without iPhones, without alcohol, without vehicles, without meat, without basic food? What if we actually lived without that? The question is, can you be happy? Can you be happy without that stuff? And I think for a lot of us, our initial reaction is, no way. I'm comfortable with this stuff. This stuff brings me joy. This stuff brings me happy. I, there's brings me happiness. There's no way I could walk away from it. And that's the exact same reaction the rich man had today. The rich man couldn't give his stuff away because he thought that he needed it to be happy. Because he thought he needed it if he wanted to have a fulfilling life. Because he thought that if he had that stuff 
at least he could bring himself to happiness. At least he had the means and the vehicles and the resources to which to transport him from his misery to joy. And because of that, that's how he looked at Jesus and said, I don't need you. I don't need you. I have my riches. I have my possessions. I have my stuff. That's good enough for me. I don't need you. And that's why Jesus said that it is harder, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. Because of this myth that riches provide, that riches will allow us to attain happiness. What he was doing was he was showing us that no matter how rich you are, you can't buy your way into heaven. No matter how basically good you are, you can't get into heaven. It's impossible. There's no way without the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why he says, for human beings, it is impossible. No matter how rich you are, no matter how good of a person you are, but in me, all things are possible for God in me. That's the beauty of this, of this passage, is what he shows us is that it's not about self-sufficiency. Life isn't about attaining our own, our own happiness. Now, life isn't about doing it our way. It's about being dependent upon the Lord so that we can get into the kingdom of heaven, period. Now, that's the, that's the message. The question that we can then have is we all have riches, we all have stuff. How do we then do that? How do we attain the kingdom of heaven? How do we get through the eye of the needle by the help of God while not quite, whilst not quite being exactly like St. Francis of Assisi? And here's the answer. We've got two ways to do it. Two ways. First way, indifference. St. Ignatius of Loyola said the key, the principle, the foundation of all the spiritual life is indifference to all created things. He said that every single created thing that you and I encounter, every single thing, created thing that you and I own, every single created possession exists for the singular purpose of getting us closer to Jesus Christ. That's it. If you own anything, if you have anything, if you use anything that does not lead you closer to God, get rid of it. Sell your possession, give it to the poor, finish with it. Get it out of your life. Because that's our call, to be indifferent. To be able to look at our possessions and say, you know what, I don't need any of this stuff. I enjoy this stuff, this stuff is nice, but this stuff isn't key to my life. What's key is Jesus Christ. What's key is the Lord. What's key is the one who's going to actually give me eternal life. The one who's actually going to give me the desires that I have. The one who, if I give him everything, will give me a hundred times more than I have right now. Give me a hundred times more houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands. He's going to give that to me. But it's going to require for me an indifference. An I don't care attitude toward our own stuff. A kind of... A kind of whimsical idea toward it. A recognition that all this stuff is just a gift. And what does this look like? What does indifference actually look like whenever we get down to the nitty gritty? And this is it. Generosity. Whenever you're indifferent to your stuff, whenever you don't really care that much about it, I'm not saying ignore it and like, you know, let it like, you know, rot and rust and decay or whatever. But if you don't, if you're not actually attached to it, then giving this stuff away would not be a challenge at all. Giving away your money would not be a challenge at all. It'd be part of life. It'd be almost like a necessity. Why? Because all this stuff exists for the specific purpose of getting us closer to Jesus Christ. And if we hoard it and we keep it, 
and we're constantly watching over it and, and guiding over it, we're never ever going to be able to be generous. We're never ever going to be able to be like Jesus Christ who gives us everything whenever we deserve nothing. And that's why we have our ministry partner drive this week. <laughs> Father Silly told me to say that. But anyway, so that's a great way to be generous. Anyway, I, there, there you go. I said it. So, but, but if you are like me, if you are like just about everybody else here, well, I assume that I should, I can't really read your soul, but if you, I would assume, because I assume most of y'all are kind of like me, you look at your stuff, you look at your riches, you look at your possessions and say, I don't know what you're talking about, father. I ain't got nothing. I am Poe. I don't have two nickels to rub together. What are you talking about? And you know what I would tell you? That's the exact same attitude this rich man had. That's the exact same attitude. This guy probably had it all. But he, in his head, he didn't realize that. He said, I have these possessions, but even with these possessions, I'm still not happy. With even these possessions, they're still not getting me closer. With these possessions, I'm still going to Jesus and saying, what more can I do? I'm going crazy, and clearly, I need to do something else. I would bet money that if you asked this guy if he was rich or poor, he would say poor. I would bet you money that he would think that himself in a category of poor, and that's not uncommon. Back in, back in my seminary days, I had this moral theology professor, and he, he had five kids at the time. And he was at a birthday party. And he was talking to a neurosurgeon. Now guys, I don't know if you know this, but neurosurgeons make a lot of money. Like a lot of money. In fact, if you're a neurosurgeon, please come talk to me. We can make you a ministry partner right now. (laughs) But they make a lot of money. And he was talking with him. And the neurosurgeon said, man, that's great that you have five kids. I would love to. I have two and I would love to have more. But I just can't afford it. I just don't have enough money. And you know what he did later on? He left the birthday party early in his Mercedes to go buy his kid the next latest iPhone. That's what it was. Poverty is more a mentality than an objective reality. It's more something that goes on between our heads. And usually whenever we think we're poor, we actually have the mentality of a greedy rich man. Of constantly trying to obtain wealth and constantly trying to obtain happiness. Instead of being generous, instead of being open, which leads me to my next point, my point number two of how can we really be like this, like what Jesus is calling us to be? How can we be detached from these riches? And this is it. Gratitude. Gratitude. St. Ignatius of Loyola said very clearly that the root of every single sin on the planet is ingratitude. A lack of gratitude. An idea that I don't have enough. An idea that I need more. An idea that what I have is just not suitable. And you're probably wondering, that's wonderful. That's great. But facts are facts, and I still don't have enough stuff. Facts are facts, and I still don't have a lot of money in my savings account. Facts are facts, and I just don't have the... I'm still poor. And so here's going to be my solution to you. I'm going to give you a tactic to change your mind. All right? But here's what I need. I need kids... Every single kid, I want to need your eyes, because you're going to want to do this a lot more than your parents. All right, are you all ready, kids? Okay. I want you to break into your house. 
I want you to find a window that's open to maybe find a hole in the chimney. Actually, don't climb through the chimney. That could be dangerous. But I want you to find a way into your house that's not your front door. That's not your garage door. And I want you to burglarize your own house. I want you to covet your own goods. I want you to walk into your house, look around and go, holy smokes, who put all this stuff here? This is amazing. Look, I have a couch. Look, I have a table. Oh my goodness, I have a computer. And this is all mine. This is all mine. Nobody else deserves this. I came here. I'm stealing it. It is mine. That's my challenge to you. Go steal some stuff. All right, guys? Your own stuff. Your own stuff. But that's the key to gratitude. Gratitude is the shocking revelation, the shocking realization that, holy smokes, we are actually blessed. We actually have blessings from the Lord, and it can actually be in material things, things that we don't deserve. Things that we don't, we didn't necessarily earn, but by the grace of God, he gave us the ability to work for this stuff. By the grace of God, we came across this stuff. Now, also, i got to give a disclaimer because I don't want anybody to get arrested. If you live in an apartment or a dorm, if you're one of the students, probably not a good idea to burglarize your own apartment or a dorm. But if you do, I didn't tell you to do that. Anyway, but my point being is find a way to look at the stuff you have and realize what an incredible gift it is. That you don't deserve it. And yet the Lord has graced you with that. And then and only then will our hearts be able and be prepared to be generous, to be indifferent, and to be able to do what Christ asks us to do. Which means sell all you have and follow Him. So my dear friends, may we adopt this, these two senses. May we adopt these two virtues. The virtue of indifference and the virtue of gratitude. That we might be able to get to heaven easier than a camel goes through the eye of a needle. Amen.